Ladies and gents, Simon Tells Tales is proud to present Tilbashing, a retail love story set in the north of England and read by Simon Tells Tales. Part 3 Saturday morning. Work. The sun has been up for a while by the time I get on my bike and the seagulls have screamed themselves quiet. A ride down Fremo off expecting to see the for sale sign already up outside the Albion. It isn't there yet, but once it does go up, who'll care about one more sign? It used to be that Grimsby was the biggest fishing port in the world. We had 3,000 trawlers sailing out of our docks. Now we've got seven and the closer you get to the top of Fremo, where the docks is, the more places you'll see closed down. It's like mould. Or ink. Or rainwater. Or blood. Shuttered up shops find each other, then they clump. Then they spread. Fremo used to be Grimsby's main street. Runs right down from the town's docks to God knows where. Houses get posher and posher as you go. Then ones down bottom were built for ship's captains. The big brick things with windows that push out of the walls. These ones up top were for them what worked on the docks, and the houses all squashed together like people standing in line with high-rise flats to watch over them. These days, though, there ain't no ship captains and I don't know anyone who works on the docks. You'd probably forget that Grimsby even has docks, them crumbling red brick ruins if it weren't for the dock tower sticking up in the distance. That's red too, and tall, taller than anything else and proper thin. Used to be full of water that powered the docks, my granddad said. Not anymore. Now it's just a giant middle finger rising up over the town with a warning light on top. Yeah, stay away. Ain't no point going down the docks no more. I turn off a of Fremo and ride past Asda. It's still early enough to smell the bread fresh piping out of the vents. Then down, underneath the docks railway tracks that don't get trains no more and I finish off in Grimsby's town centre. This is where Fresh New Place is, our shopping centre. Wedged between the big multi-storey car park and the high street, what one row of its shops open onto. In front is the bus station where every day you get line after line of customers shuffling off of buses so they can head into town, their fat ankles bulging with bubblegum blue veins. Once you get this close to town, you're always biking in front of a bus or just behind a bus or next to a bus, the streets choked with them, and down the bus's sides are pictures of happy, smiling blokes and birds with big white grins and arms folded across uniforms that ain't got a single crease in them, all of them with captions saying how they've set up their own business and here's the number to call if you want to set one up too. I see them pictures every day. There's one, a plumber in dark blue uniform with his arms folded on a cheesy grin. I call him Derek. Today, I stop at traffic lights with me bike right next to his face and up above him, through the bus's window, is a girl sat right there against one of them orange and brown bus seats that looks older than Aunt Beth's kitchen curtains. The girl stands out because she's wearing this perfectly ironed green shirt with chain-link pattern. It's a walker's shirt, only I haven't seen her before. She's proper fit, with earphones in, looking at her phone, and I just stop and look at her like... Who is she? 
and then a bus rides off and some driver and a clapped out crawler comes up behind me and it's his own and over the way from the bus is this construction site where ten years ago they knocked a building down to build something else but never did. Someone has put a billboard up and there is Derek's picture again looking at me. Be somebody's hero. Start a business today. No, Derek, I say. Don't think I will. You ever shot at walkers? No, that might be a daft question, but there's people who haven't. Every week, our office sends us these messages telling us that not enough people are shopping in stores and we need to make sure that when we get a customer at a tell, we sell them everything we can. Apparently, there's only an handful of stores in the country that's actually making a profit, but Grimsby's one of them. That's because everyone shops there. We can sell whatever you want, from baby shoes to fountain pens, anything. Upstairs at work, I face the brown cork of the notice board next to the staff room door to see how many hours I'm working. I figure there'll be some extra now that Josephine is gone, but there isn't. Only thing that has changed is a new name on the sheet. Laura. Locker room. I take off my padlock and pull my locker open, dump my hoodie, take off my t-shirt and spray my pits because I sweat when I bank. I button up my uniform. Paul stands next to me. He screws his nose up high above his lips, twists his mouth and jaw. Rank, he says. It's just him and me. The only two lads who work in the store. So as customers don't ask questions when they sees me outside, I only gets into my uniform at work. Most customers don't know what I look like. They just sees the uniform. Josephine taught me that. Paul wears a green shirt. Same as mine. Josephine's old keys hang off his black trousers. Not allowed to wear a supervisor suit, I say. Paul grabs his hoodie from out of the locker, pulls it over his shirt to hide the uniform. I swap me trainers for black shoes, trackies for trousers. What's Clive going to think if he comes in and sees you wearing that, I say. Clive's the area manager. Every time he comes in, you can guarantee Paul will be right next to him, trying to get the promotion that he can't get off of his mum. Paul presses his teeth into the corner of his mouth, then rolls his tongue into his cheek. He's not coming in today. And you know that, dear. Paul drops his head so his chin tucks into his neck, and he flicks his eyes up in their sockets to look at me. Every yeah, managers don't say when they're coming in, I say. Wouldn't want you getting caught out when you go begging for a promotion. Don't need a promotion. Already got me keys, haven't I? He gives them a jingle. I lean against the locker's arms folded, eyebrows raised. He tugs at the cords of his hoodie. If it were a proper promotion, you'd be in a suit, I say. Yeah, well. Paul pulls the hoodie off. You know what head office is like sorting out paperwork? Been sitting on your supervisor application for two years, I say. Paul's top lip shoots over his gums and then creeps back down. He smiles and his fingers tap the thin blue paint of the lockers. Seen the shift seat, he says. I pull my keys from neath my clothes and shut the locker. Bang! Too hard. I stand and fight to get my key in the padlock. Yeah. Laura, I say. Looks like you're still in 11 hours. I saw her on the bus when I was banking over. Paul's nose wrinkles back up to the top of his face. Not seen her yet, I say. 
know where she's coming from and what she's doing. You'll have loads to say then. Whatever, he says. Like she'd be interested in a dickhead with dandruff hair. He stands there and grins, chin drawn into his body, one hand on his keys, the other clenched. I hate him. Me hair isn't me fault. It's in me family, me mum's got it too. Not as bad as me, mind. It used to be proper noticeable at school, because we had to wear black jumpers and, well, it stood out right bad against it, and it didn't take long for kids to work out that all they had to do was shake me hair and then me shoulders would look like Christmas. Got out of the habit of touching me hair. I'd put proper strong gel in it too, the super strong stuff that sticks like glue. Idea is, if me hair doesn't move, there's less chance of dandruff piling up on me shoulders. And I brush him down every chance I get. Still, all you have to do is look in a mirror and I can see thick white flakes spreading across me dark brown hair. By the stairs, Debs has blue-tacked another message from Ed office. Sales is down in stores across the country. Only them stores that makes their targets is going to get money for their Christmas party and our targets have gone up so we can help out them stores that are doing shit. Don't reckon we're getting money for our Christmas party. Company ain't doing great, is what Deb says when I get down for the morning huddle. We do one every morning before the customers get in, so Deb's has a chance to tell us how much money we haven't made in the week, and how much money we need to make that day, and how we's going to do it by selling every customer a £1 bar a Galaxy. Honestly, selling cheap chockies is our master plan. Some stores are being shut down, some jobs are being cut, she says. And after what happened with Josephine, well, we ain't looking very good. But that's not true, see. The real reason we don't look good is because we have to wear uniforms what don't fit, whilst she gets to wear a suit. We need to make sure we're doing everything we can to get people spending more money in store, she says. Which is when I noticed a roll cage full of catalogues behind her. This, she says, as she holds the green book, is the new catalogue that Ed Office have been talking about. Now, I've mentioned this a few times and it's finally here. We're bored. We're all bored. Even Beth, who looks after the entertainment counter on the weekends and bounces like she's had Prozac for breakfast, pulls on the red highlights in her hair and drapes them over her face to perfectly cover her top lip. She stops doing it when she catches me watching, then tilts her head and rolls her eyes up. She's always been funny like that, ever since I asked to take photos of her. So, from now on, we don't have nothing out of stock, Deb says. If a customer can't find some we can order it. I've updated the scripts on the till, so when customers come up, you can ask them if they found what they were looking for. If they haven't, Go straight to the store ordering system. A lot of customers will be ordering once they've got that catalogue and all. No one looks at each other. We all know this ain't gonna work. I don't even have a computer and even I know everyone buys stuff on the internet. Outside, there's a rattle of customers trying the doors and finding them locked, then banging on the glass. We never look over because that only encourages them. Now, we've got a new starter today. Laura, she says, who's come to us from London. Up till now, I've made a point of definitely not looking at the new girl, except for the bit when I did look at her on the bus. I was right. She is fit. Dark skin, 
like she went from around her, hair down to her shoulders and legs that make you smile. While Paul's showing her the back, James, I want you at the front when the store opens, handing out these. You are? I snap my head back and Deb's waves one of them catalogues. The huddle breaks up. Paul leads Laura off to the back tills with, and I ain't kidding, one arm round her shoulder. Deb snaps her fingers at me. She goes to the front of the store. I trail behind with the big cage of catalogues. For an hour, I stand at the front of the store, catalogue in my hand and more catalogues still wrapped in plastic behind me. Customers slip down side aisle soon as they get through the door, heads bent down and shoulders turned away. No one takes a single catalogue off of me. The birds on the tails look at me and chew small bottom lips. After an hour, I give up and go back down to the tills. I've always worked back tills. Ever since I started working in the store, it was me on the back tills Friday and Saturday, and that's the best part of the store to work in. It's less busy at the back, because we don't have sweets or newspapers or magazines. It was mostly just stationery and children's books and people who use our doors as a shortcut to get into the shopping centre. We have two tills down there, but usually just need the one. When I get there, Paul has his back to me and is leant toward the tills, elbow down on the glass top of the pens cabinet. Facing him is Laura. She bends away from the till, her back against the lines and metal locked drawers where we keep the CDs and DVDs that's in the charts. Her left arm crosses over her body, her right arm turns up at the elbow. Fingers curl under her chin and thumb against her face. Paul pushes hard against the front of the pen counter, trying to make himself taller. She glares like he's dirt. I love her for that. Paul boring you yet, I say, and come round the side of the till while Paul looks at his watch. Laura grins. James, right? And you meant to be at the front, Paul says. No, and you're not a supervisor, I say. Got the keys, aren't I? Are you doing the management training programme? Laura says. She smiles. She's come off the wall of the drawers to stand straight with arms by her side. She isn't wearing tights. What? Paul says. The supervisor training programme. Over at my store in London, anyone who's supposed to be a supervisor has to go through the supervisor training programme. Otherwise, head office won't class them as a supervisor, and they certainly won't get paid as one. Yeah, yeah well, I, I've done it, haven't I? When? I say. When that thief got fired. It's a 12-month program, Laura said. You don't just do it. Yeah, but that's not what I said. I said I've started it, Paul says. Show us your training folder, then. Yeah, I say. Show us the folder. Paul turns on her. How do you know so much about it, he says. Well, Laura says, they were going to put me on the supervisor training programme at my old store in London to see if they could fast-track me to being an assistant manager as soon as possible, but I told them, no, I wanted a real job. I'm going to be a journalist. Ah, oh, I say. So you're getting a job at the Evening Telegraph? He's just asking because you've taken his extra shifts, Paul says. She raises her eyebrows at me. 
I haven't heard of any paper called the Evening Telegraph. There's a smile on her lips, and her head is tilted to the right. Her eyes have gotten wide, like cartoon eyes, and I think she's taking the piss out of me. I don't want to say nothing else, just want to back off and put sharpie pens out on the shelf, but she don't blink. Paul must have worked out that summit is up, because he stands straight, one arm on the till. Evening Telegraph, I say. It's the paper for Grimsby. They've got it up at the front of the store. If you only just moved there, you should... She hasn't just moved here, dickhead. She's from here. She's just been down in London is all. I just don't know the Evening Telegraph, I say. Her lips pop like chicken bones breaking. I know there used to be a paper called the Evening Telegraph in Grimsby because it was published in the evening back when there was a printing press here. But ten years ago it changed to the Grimsby Telegraph because it's published in the mornings and printed up at home. I'd have thought you'd have known something like that, working in a newsagent. In my London store, we had to be trained upon all the stock. I'm just stationary on books, I say. Well, I shouldn't be here too long anyway, Lois says. I have an interview at the Grimsby Telegraph next week. I'm just here because it's important to have a job. One arm on her shoulder and a wink aimed at me. Paul takes Laura off the tills to give it a tour around the store so she can put out stock and not get stuck on the till all day. Isn't right. Newbie's job is to stay on the tills while them that has been here longer put stock out. But Laura is fit and Paul is a dick. So I get stuck trying to fit ring binders into medium-sized bags because we ran out of large ones weeks ago. Problem is, medium bags won't even fit a pad of A4 paper, so you try and force the ring binders in. The whole time the plastic screeches as it gets stretched apart and you pray that it won't break. Over by the fountain pens, Paul tells Laura all about how he's this big rapper on YouTube, which is rubbish. Because Paul is nothing on YouTube. Don't believe me? Look him up. He's little P-star, though he didn't want it to be written out as star. What he really wanted was a picture of a star, but YouTube wouldn't let him have that. He honestly has no idea that people call him little porn star behind his back. Check him out, though. At about 38 views per video, most of which was from me, and six subscribers, including his mum, Paul is hardly the next Eminem. Every single video is the same. It's him, stood with his back to a brick wall, wearing a starter cap and an hoodie, rapping with his fingers outstretched into a camera phone. He just can't take someone seriously after that. Paul doesn't bring her back to the tills till it's time for me to go on break. Little porn star, I've been telling you about his six subscribers on YouTube, I say. Paul's eyebrows take a nosedive. He stands between me and air. Watch it if you're going in the staff room after this child, Paul says. It'll stink. His mum's been making him the same rotten fish sandwiches ever since he was at school. Proper mummy's boy, this young lad. We used to laugh because we'd see his mum dragging him round freshly placed by his ears when he was playing up. Paul grins. Laura signs on the tills next to me. That's why he's got big ears, he says. I stop. 
stir right at him. Me heart beats hard. I open me chest above me lungs. It climbs into me throat and the muscles in me arms get thick. His white neck is spotted with brown moles. Paul grins. Do it, he says. Get yourself fired. Then you can be full-time doll scum. Stood in front of the mirror, not in the locker room, but the toilet next to the locker room, where the smell of rotten, sweating mushrooms is strongest, I hold the sides of the basin with both hands and scream, mouth wide but with no words coming out, no sound, just silence, and face muscles that ache from being stretched open so wide. My fingers tremble against the basin, wanting to pull away, to slap me face, to scratch me arms, to make me hurt and bleed. The basin shakes, grout pulls away at the wall and shows off dark black shadow beneath the white. I scream. In silence I scream. I shake the basin against the wall till I'm weak and can't stand any more, and the two solid muscles in me arms that are desperate to fight give up, and I want to curl up on the floor, but I can't, won't. I don't think that this floor has ever been washed. I collapse on the gone-off white of the basin's cracked porcelain. Joke is, even working at Walker's, I still have to sign on at the doll because I only work 11 hours a week. I need to work 16 hours to come off the doll. And if you think it makes a difference to anyone there that you have a job and you don't want to be claiming and you're desperate for a chance to do something else, anything else, you're wrong. If you get doll, even just five hours of doll, then you get treated like scum. Don't know why I stopped myself from smacking Paul. I don't want me job. I don't want to be a tailbasher and no one does. Yeah, I do know why I didn't do it. Because I can't afford not to do it. Because there's so few jobs in Grimsby that I'm lucky to have this one, because maybe one day they might make me full-time and then I can hire some models with portfolio. That's why. Yeah, me portfolio. See, the job I really want. And don't laugh, because it ain't a joke. Is to take naked pictures of girls for nuts or zoo or FHM. I'm serious. Because I reckon I'd be good at it. We've got a stockroom full of them magazines. And I've spent a lot of time studying them. Not getting off on them, but looking at them. Seeing how they're posing the models. Checking out what they're wearing. Because it's not all straight up naked. I examine what positions suit what bodies. What the backgrounds are. What the cameraman's done to frame them and how they're lit. I've also looked up a lot of the photography magazines, and there ain't nothing pervy about them. See? I've been studying, not just looking at tits. Put me in a room with Keely Hazel, and I'd know just what to do. I'd be totally professional. Wouldn't do none of that finding an excuse to touch her and stuff. I could do it. I've applied to tons of magazines and all. Sent off sample pictures of everything that I've taken. Got a proper portfolio, too, I have. Just a shame there ain't no people on it. Look, don't even start. You don't need to have a portfolio with pictures of people. I looked it up online at the library. It didn't say nowhere that a portfolio absolutely had to contain pictures of models. Some places said it should have them, but nowhere did it say that you absolutely had to have them. And the thing is, 
Having a model just so you can take a portfolio photo of them is proper expensive. With my wages, unless someone gets dead excited about me taking pictures of them naked for free, nothing's going to happen. So I improvise. You ever been up to Grimsby docks late at night or early in the morning? You ain't supposed to take pictures on the docks, but security don't come around much if you go up fish dock number two where everything is boarded up and ruined. There, on fish dock road, you have the crumbling red brick ruin of the ice factory where birds come swooping out of the black and broken windows and where the shadows are old swings and cranes and pulled up fire escape ladders leave eye black shadows against the walls. I go there when the sun is low and casting shadows from the shapes of broken things. Take a photo at a time like that and you can still see the background, but the thing in front is a silhouette. So I hunt for shapes that look like girls, or that might look like girls if you crouch and use the zoom, or catch the light just right. And the whole stack of photos that I got printed on the machines at Boots are things by the docks that look like girls. Every month I photocopy them or email them to photo editors at the adult magazines. Plan is to keep doing it till someone hires me and I don't have to work in walkers no more. It's a proper good plan. It just isn't working right now. I need to send more photos, find more naked magazines, get some great silhouettes. Because let's face it, I'm never going to afford a model while working here. Ladies and gents, I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode of Till Bashing. Till Bashing is published once a week, but if you want to get the next episode early, then sign up for the Patron. The link is in my podcasting bio, or you can go straight to my website, simontellstales.com, where you'll also be able to find links to all my other shows. Thank you.